good morning, afternoon, or evening, whatever time it is, wherever you cave dwellers dwell. Welcome to episode two of PantyCast, the offshoot Yay. sort of strange sibling. Our strange interlude. <laughs> yeah, basically. Our strange interlude in which hey. we talk about romance. I'm but just saying, we we've got, we talk about cock. We really do. I mean, that's, and it's just that itch that we need to scratch. You don't, you can always not listen to this episode if you don't want to, but we got an itch we need to scratch. And uh, we scratch it with uh, usually some form of uh, werewolf penis. So, I mean, usually we scratch it. We scratch it with some kind of buzzing toy, but we're thinking of alien or werewolf. We're thinking of alien or werewolf or dragon cock. Yeah, it's like, you know, the the usual things that girls think about. The flavor du jour, cyborg. Is a there's a, there's always a flower jour. opening, like we were talking about earlier. <laughs> no, it's usually he slammed it into her cunt, which is yeah, that part. part. I, I mean, really, those are the books we read. So <laughs> I really appreciate indie romance. I was actually talking, so I went to a barbecue today with my friend Leo, and we were talking about like books and stuff. And I was talking about how I really love reading indie romance now because a the, the language is, is graphic without being, at least I don't personally find it crude, or if it's crude, it's excitingly crude. It's not gross. Well, yeah. Um, but there's also just a lot of, like, boys and girls and girls and boys and people in between. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, speaking as a indie author, you have a lot more freedom to kind oh, of write yes. whatever the fuck you want to write about. Fuck yes. And there's... that's why I love being indie. It's great. Yeah. Well, and the, that book I was telling you about, the uh, was it Kidnapped by the Alien Rogue? Yeah, Mate of the Alien Rogue, uh, Alien Rogue by Chloe Parker, really good, but fucking hell, man, I needed like a cupcake and a hug after. Yeah, see, I, I'm not ready for uh, that just yet. I need some happiness right now. So, like, it was good. Well, this was before. Oh no, I, it sounds out. amazing, but, but it was an yeah. amazingly good book. But it was one of those ones where it's like go 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 until like 95 percent in the Kindle read. Yeah. You know what I mean? Normally, I like it wrapped up by 90, so the last 10%, we can kind of enjoy the afterglow. Kind of take a breath, yeah. <laughs> right, like... but this is this was super cool because they're not, his species isn't binary the way that human species are, and it's really kind of yeah, cool, and there's a lot really more of that. And there's oh, a, yeah. another book coming out that I'm really excited to read by Alexis B. Osborne. She does she does a lot of um, alpha, omega, beta stuff. Yeah. But she's also, uh, she has a lot of like thruples. I think she does some reverse harem. I don't know. I don't read reverse harem. But yeah. like she thruples does Thruples don't bother me. I'm not as into reverse harem, but thruples well, I, and I her, can get into her the threesome menage stuff. Yeah. Her three, or thruples I can hang with. Like I can hang with a menage. I can't hang with a reverse harem. Yeah. Uh, it's just too many people to keep track of for me. It doesn't it's do it. too fucking many people to keep track of. And also that like, part. <laughs> I want my man jealous. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't want my nope, dude. I get like, it. I love you. I'm consumed with you here. I'm going to share you with my five best friends. Like that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't strike the notes that I need. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah, no, I have yeah, enough trouble, much. like not being pissed off at one dude. Um, I can't much, imagine yeah. trying to yeah, keep exactly. to five and right. just getting pissed off at five especially, guys. All especially in if one of them is, uh, what was it? Uh, dickhead wolf. Oh yeah. Dickhead wolf. Personality. <laughs> Designated early. dickhead wolf. We have to post yes, that meme yeah. on the Facebook group. Yes, that was do. fucking funny. <laughs> but, and that's not to shit on reverse harem. Like reverse harem is true. No, no. I mean, uh, people really like it and it could be written really not well, but it's just on my bag. I, I yeah. really have tried your it. Kink, 
your kink is not my kink, yeah. but I have no problems with your kinks. Like I have tried it. It's not my thing, but if that's yeah. your thing, you, you go girl. That is shine you know, on you crazy diamond. You've got a, you a fucking go choose from. <laughs> Exactly. There are some writers who only write reverse harem. And so for those of you, since I know we have a large male readership, how you guys liking it so far? Yeah, I like I really want to know if any of the like our male listeners actually fucking listen to these episodes. I I bet Keith would listen and I could totally see Fabian listening out of spite. I think Fabian listens. Jimmy Claude would listen because it's about books and I think he would find this an interesting perspective. George I think would listen because I think it would make him laugh a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so everybody thinks we're uh, hilarious. So I mean, there you go. Well, I mean, you know, I love you, George, but I do question your taste. Patrick, <laughs> hard to say. Patrick, hard to like say. Vaginas, so I know, but Patrick have, also I mean, love. But Patrick does love when we talk like really crude. So I mean, there's you true. know, there's a given Patrick there. Listens to us, and it's not like we only talk about vagina on Pantycast. So it, it's true. We talk about other things beyond. We talk about dick. We <laughs> a lot yes. of dick. <laughs> So for those of you not in the know, a reverse harem is essentially, it's a book and it's one female main character and then anywhere from two to 27,000 males. Like Yeah. Love and, and to be honest, I don't like the term reverse harem that much. I think there could be other ways to describe it, but there are, that's what it's known as. Yeah. It's, well, a it lot is. of people now are referring to it as white shoes. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I like prefer that so, actually a lot more than reverse harem, but that's just yeah, me. I, I don't really care. Uh, so. but I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to read it. So I don't really care what people call it as long as it's God, touche. Yeah. But so, uh, but there's a writer who she does a lot of, she does some reverse harem, some menage and, sh- but she's very into like, like if she does a, a menage, it's going to be like the two dudes are definitely crossing swords. Well, see that I don't mind. I actually no, like that. Are you kidding? It's totally fucking <laughs> I am hot. down for that. Uh, that's part of what made Fiddly Fens the Maid in the Orcs so goddamn hot. Was that well, Baldur yeah. and Drafley were fucking each other long before Alma came along. I'm like, I'm down for this, right? In fact, one of her books. So I read one of her her Alpha Omega Beta books, and I read it because she basically did a retelling of Beauty and the Beast through that Ooh. perspective because it's these cat aliens but he never turns into a human he just stays a cat alien he's two dicks too so you know oh hey the, yeah. uh, uh, our benevolent goddess gives and continues to give but <laughs> she, she i really liked it and she has others in the series that initially i was like because eh, it's i know at least one of them is a menage but it's an alpha male and a beta male who are in a relationship together and then an omega female comes along and i'm kind of curious to read that one Hmm, interesting. So I kind of, I kind of like when it's like a two dude dynamic and then a chick comes along. That, that's, that's interesting kinda, though. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'd read I read it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, anyway, she has a book coming out in the. There's a a big anthology, a charity anthology. I think it's claimed among the stars. I think it's called. It's oh, I've heard out of it. Next yeah. Month. Yeah. I actually have been next seeing. Month. Isn't Nancy Cummings writing something from she it? She might be. Like everybody's I, writing for this. Yeah, I think Nancy Cummings, who I actually I just think, listened to one of her recent books and made me really happy. I'll go into that in a minute. Uh, but, I think, like, yeah. I'm pretty sure S.J. Sanders is writing for that one. I think Sam. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sam Nascosta is writing for that. I know Sam but Nascosta so, is. But yeah, I think she's, she's Cummings writing too. I don't remember. Anyway, but it's. It looks like a good anthology, and it I'm does. very curious about and it. And Alexis B. Osborne is writing one in there, and I'm super cu- cu- curious to read it because it's called "Mate for the, the Alien and Porn Star." And okay, well now I got it. Now I got to really get this right <laughs> for sure. She's the one who wrote that one. Do you remember me telling you about it? Where it was the heroine who ends up in like weird uncharted space, and she ends up with a Thundercat because I love me some Thundercats. 
Um, yes. But it's the whole thing where, like, one of his species tries to rape her, and she ends up killing him with his own claw. Yes, you, you told me about, about that. Like, that. She, yeah, it, this is, she's that writer. Oh, okay. And so, uh, she actually has another book in that world due to come out, like, any minute, and I'm super excited mm-hmm. for it. Sorry. Anyway, so, she's fucking an alien this time, not a Thundercat. But, or not an alien, a reptilian. Uh, anyway, so this, the, the uh, mate for the alien porn star is really interesting looking because they're this sort of aquatic, elfish looking race and they don't have binary genders. They okay, identify that's as really tops. cool. I'm, I'm down yeah, for that. They, I, they identify as tops or bottoms. Oh, I'm down for that. That sounds cool. Yeah, and so I'm really fucking curious to read that. And I've seen the, the cover, or I don't know if it's going to be the cover art or if it's just art for it. But it's crazy fucking hot. Nice. I'm down. Yeah, I wish I was as fast like a reader as you were because you keep throwing these recommendations at me, and I'm like, yay! But I'm such a fucking slow reader. It really, I'm like, that's why we can I, only I, do every third episode fancy cast because I'm too I'm slow. I'm such a fucking asshole when it comes to reading. Where it's like, you are I a fucking asshole when it comes to reading as fast as me, so that we can talk about. These I love you. Books. But you are an asshole. <laughs> Pardon me. Reading. Pardon me, sir, but you're an asshole. You're an asshole. <laughs> anyway, so we are actually, once again, it's Pantycast. So we're going to talk yes. about romance. And the one book yes. we decided to talk about was one that Stacy shockingly re- uh, recommended to me. What a and I actually devoured it pretty damn oh, quick. So me. So good. Called uh, One Night in Garo Reef. Is that how you pronounce yes. the city? Garo Reef. Garo Reef. And it is by L. Oh, Ellie M. Drew. And I will read the synopsis when we go, um, when we decide to start our review of it. But, oh, man, it was good. (laughs) Yes, it really takes a lot of tropes. Again, like that book I was telling you about with the the guy whose, his species isn't really uh, binary the way humans are. The book that I was telling you about is super intense. This was another one that it took a lot of really popular common tropes in the writing like faded mates and shifters yes, and yes. all of that and, and but it like really just, gave it its own it yes like it went way below surface level which a lot of books and don't get me wrong like i love me a good surface level read every now and again yeah me Definitely too but this really it. it really played with the whole um genre all those genre yes. tropes and and and, and kind of like building. updated them almost for kind like of, today's yeah readers well, and that's what i loved so much about it yes. it was such a fresh take uh, but sure. before we get really more into it um do you want to do romance crush real quick and then we'll jump yes. right into it yes awesome because i got mine my... and it has nothing to do with one night in gallery for a change <laughs> my crush well your uh your panty crush my panty crush my panty wetter <laughs> your panty is, who's uh, your panty is boobashu from uh, the Quarry Master by Amanda Milo. Yes! Oh, I, I just <laughs> re-listened to that for like the nine millionth time on Audible. I love him. <laughs> oh, Nick Cracknell does the greatest. He's the greatest narrator of all time as far as- Oh, he's concerned. great. I love him as a narrator. I love that character. He is, yes. that, that book is literally the epitome of grumpy sunshine romance. It yes. is probably one well, of the it's best. Book, it's book romance. one of the grumpy heroes. Like that's how she put it. Yes. And Amanda Milo is another one of those where she's actually done some really fascinating world building. But and she's her stories are hilarious. intense, but they're bonkers and they're really fucking funny. And there's so she's got the best sense of humor. I just yes, love her stuff. God, yes, she does. So, so the premise essentially of the book is you kind of coming in in the middle. Like, there's probably ten books before this, but it's not a hundred percent 
necessary to find like her first published book and read them in order you can actually um you you can can kind of glean what's going on um that's what i've noticed which i really love yeah it's not really it's not a terribly overarching storyline other than the human preserve thing but so it's it's real easy to kind of pick and choose and read them as you want it's not vital they she actually does a really good job like summing it up really well she does yeah and so the basic gist is is that you know humans have been stolen from earth forever and that we come to the attention of this species called the Grafala and uh, Grafala are like humans, but prettier. It's like if a human was actually like a six foot fairy, basically they have butterfly wings. They're beautiful. They're crazy smart. Like all of them are like rock, literal rocket scientists. In fact, doesn't Gracie's mother design weapons? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, so. she, ends up, she pulls a gun on Bubashu that he's pretty yeah. sure her, Grafala, her Grafala in-law made for. And uh, they keep a harem of Hobbes, basically. And Hobbes are the male equivalent. And and again, she writes a lot of reverse harem. So I I, I love her to death, but I, I kind of cherry pick her stuff. Yeah, me too. That's honestly the reason yeah. why. But uh, but her stuff but, that she does write is just like, oh God, she's so, she is so entertaining. She was yes. one of the most and entertaining so, writers I have ever read. I yes. absolutely adore yes. her. You have to read uh, 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 Dragon Hooker. You're going to like it. I know. It's on my list. It's not. (laughs) It's on my ever-growing list. Thank you. That's not in reference to sex work either. She's literally supposed to catch a dragon with a hook and it blows up in her face. (laughs) Anyway, so so the the premise is is that the Grafala find out about humans and they think that we're little and precious and cute and we look enough like them that they don't want people to get comfortable with keeping us as pets because we look a little too much like uh, Grafala for their comfort. So they essentially adopt the abducted humans and create a human preserve on their planet. So there's two species on this planet. There's the Grafala and the, the male equivalent, which are the Hobbs. And the Grafala are the ones in charge. It's very matriarchal. And then there's the Raki. And the Raki are, so the Hobbs and the Griffala can fly. They're winged. And then the Raki are like dragon people, basically. They're huge. They're burly. Like, they're the juggernaut on the team, basically. And uh, they tend to be like eight, eight and a half feet tall, can spit fire. They don't fly, but they're basically poisonous for most of their ends. (laughs) And uh, Bubashu is a Raki, and he's pissed off he's all he's pissed off at the world and i kind of love him for it he's perma pissed in fact i love when he takes isla to meet his parents and uh his mother says to her his father our 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 wayward son has returned and he says which one and she says our grumpiest one (laughs) i it's it's a really really fun book uh and he is just so grumpy but he's so like sweet at the same time well, and there's and just the hilarious part, and yeah, she's also the wonderful is, the the heroine yes. in that too the her, her heroines always are like he's an asshole like the humans because so they're working on the preserve because they want to contribute to the building of their living space and he hates them he hates every fucking human a because they look like uh grafala and b because he got his heart broken by a grafala when he was young and b because they can't work with the they're not strong like rocky basically and so he gets pissed because they have to pee. He gets pissed because one of them sits down because something hurts. He gets pissed because they talk. He gets pissed because they're He happy. just gets pissed at everything. I guess that's the best way to put it. The <laughs> opening of, of the book is him addressing the, the, the audience and or the reader, and he's just insulting the shit out of humans. It's hilarious. And uh, uh, space succubi is what he refers to a human that at one point. <laughs> so, but the thing with Rocky is they become fixated on their women. And so when they become fixated, they essentially can bond to a woman that they're around a lot. So you have to be real careful not to touch a Rocky. 
unless you're you know interested in it. And Isla is interested in Bash like out the gate, and he is so he's not, not dumb, here for it. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And so he and she's just like, like yeah, you girl. like me, like the whole and time. And I fucking it's love so her. fucking funny because what Rocky do when they're fixated on a woman is they steal their shit and create like a little shrine to them. And so when he finally gives in and abducts Isla, basically she finds his like shrine to her in his bedroom. And she goes, oh my God, this is so creepy stalker hot. And it's <laughs> yes, I love hilarious. Her. She's he wonderful. So he's angry as he's falling in love. Yeah, he's just so pissed off he loves her. He, is, like he is angrily in love and it's hilarious. And he's got some really great, like she does a really good job too with like cultural differences because everybody is a translator. So you don't have to like learn another person's language or anything like that. But he he doesn't understand shut up. He thinks it should be shut down. So every I mean, time he's telling her to shut up, he tells her to shut I, down. Well, I think it's shut up because you, I think it's because you raise your mandible up. I know, but it still makes me, you know, anyway, it's what, yeah. it ain't wrong. <laughs> it's it's, like, it's get... really fucking funny. And so he's constantly telling her to shut down. And like at one point in time, because Bash wants silence and Isla likes to chatter. And at one point in time, he's got her next to him. Like he insists that she stay by him. And so he's bashing the uh, the rock out of the, the hillside. In fact, you find out in the book that the reason why he has to do it by hand is because the powers that be figured that if Bash had to actually take a pick and knock or take a pick and knock the rocks out of the wall, he'd be mu- he'd have much less energy, excuse me, with which to rampage through a screaming horde of panicking humans. <laughs> and, uh, but he insists that Isla stay with him and she chatters the whole time. Like she's talking, talking, oh, yeah. talking. And I get it because I'm the same fucking way. Yeah, and at one point in time, he's standing there and he puts his hands over her ears while she's talking and he just yells, bring me the human safe skin adhesive. And a, a hog comes over with what are essentially band-aids. And as she's talking, he tapes her mouth shut. Yes, and it's fucking that. hilarious. It's a great book. He's a great fucking character. Yes. And he's the classic example of the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. It's like such a fun book. I that's one of my favorites. Like I it just if you need something to just make you feel good, which I think everyone does right now, uh, that is definitely yes. the book to read. Like it will make you feel so warm and fuzzy. I love it. Well, and she does a great job too with like developing secondary characters. Like you meet one of his brothers and you don't realize at the time that it's one of his brothers, but just the way she describes him, like, cause he has these like tourmaline pink eyes that he got from their mother. Yeah. And like, and he's just like as fast, I'm like, I'm fascinated by him. If she decided to write a book for each one of Bash's brothers, I would be like, fuck yes, right here, put it on my I'm head. shocked she hasn't yet, to be perfectly honest. Uh, she may. I mean, we never know what's coming down the pipeline. I mean, touche. Okay. <laughs> So mine actually, so I just listened to a new um, audiobook. Um, it was, it's, it's, um, and I just fucking loved it. I just mainlined it. It is Tass from Taken for Granted by Nancy Cummings. I oh, yes, 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 yes. Into this series. This is book six. First one I've listened to and I do not care, nor do I mind. Uh, and it is another grumpy hero. I fucking loved it. And one, they had me at Gargoyle. These are alien Gargoyle dudes. And I was already like on board. And I love the fact that they make even more references to the Gargoyles cartoon and how like um, Juniper, who is the lead, uh, Junie, how she is like, was so into Gargoyles (laughs) during her formative years. So when he shows up, she's just like, oh my God. Like, she's just so, she's so on series. 
I can't wait to listen to the rest of the series. Do not give me spoilers. I I will strangle you. (laughs) No, I haven't haven't read any of the rest of them. I've only read Nancy Cummings's, but I'm going to read the rest of them. I know there was a couple of authors that I I hadn't heard of at the time because I read that one pretty early on in in Discovery. Well, the audiobook is great. So the guy is definitely get that. Uh, The narrator is Christian Stark. He did a great job. Um, it is, he is so, he, once again, another wonderful grumpy guy. He's like mm-hmm. the grumpy intellectual though, as opposed to yes. the grumpy booty guy. Is he the one, is he the one that he has the British accent just because yes, he has the British someone. accent because yeah. he like get out in England for like over a thousand years or something. Right. And act when, and, when, when English developed, basically that's how he picked it up. And yes. And so, and she's like, why are you British? Like the whole time it is so good. It's the, it, it's fantastic. He is so great. I totally. Well, and there's the. Opened the great his mouth. bit too with, yes. with her her little sister too yes i love the whole uh subplot with the little sister it's yes. just a good book um yeah. once again check like that one that out Junie's, uh i like that junie's hair is blue but it's perfect. yeah it's perpetually growing out so yes brown I love that so she's got the roots going and all that and he thinks it's really great the artwork that nancy cummings had done for that yes yes i have so fucking cute it's so great i friggin' love that book i am so um happy i snagged it uh definitely check it out taken for granted by nancy cummings i'm a fan of nancy cummings anyway and funny enough i'm even a bigger fan of her because she really liked my book um and that made me happy. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, are you kidding? I was like, I tried to say her charming, and she said she really enjoyed it. And I was all like, "This made yeah. my day." <laughs> so. Tiffany Roberts told me she liked my jean jacket, and I wanted to do like a kick dance at the top of my stairs. I know it's just it's the little things. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I want to look that series up now because I know there were other yeah. writers. I'm gonna. I know. I'm definitely gonna hunt down more of it because I really, really fucking enjoyed it. It was mm-hmm. really, just a really fun series. Um, but let's get back, let's get to the meat of it. Uh, sorry to like, you know, yes. move it along so much as I'm on limited time tonight. So I want to get to the meat of the episode. That's fine. So the meat of the episode That's is fair. One Night in Garive by L.E.M. Drew. And I'm going to read the back of the book's uh, blurb. So give me one second, let me pull it up. Go for it. And it says, Ariana wasn't expecting much when she pulled into the small town of Garive. Just a place to sleep for the night, a quick meal, and maybe a drink. What she found was a man with a smile who spent the night worshiping her body like it was his religion. And boy, is that true. (laughs) When the morning came, she left with unexpected regret and a mark to remember him by. A mark that meant a lot more than she realized. A mark that meant her one night stand wasn't going to be her only night with him. But when his secrets start to impact their new life together, it no longer matters that his touch feels like magic and he feels like her soulmate. Sometimes the problem isn't the actual secret being kept. It's the power that a secret can hold. And it's the first book in a paranormal romance featuring plus-size heroines, wolf shifters, faded mates, and a town that magically appears when needed. And this book was a it's fucking sort of delight. like a werewolf brigadoon. <laughs> it is. It's werewolf brigadoon. Yeah, it That's was so fucking good. <laughs> it is it so, so delightful. I was expecting it just to be just kind of fun and cute and whatever. And I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it to like gut punch me with happy, warm feels. Um, Cause it really did. Oh, it me was either. Just so fun. Um, what we were discussing on text when we decided to pull this book up was um, how it is like a great example of uh, non-toxic masculinity in a romance novel. Hands down. Yes. A hundred percent. Colbert is our hero. And he is, pro- he is the, ni- like, he is both masculine 
and very manly and very masculine and embodies that, you know, trope very well. You know, he is definitely an alpha. If alphas existed, he is what a true alpha would be, basically. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, you know, I know that the whole alpha wolf thing is, was long disproven, but whatever. Um, they still use the trope, though, is, romance, guys. So just right, accept. exactly. And he <laughs> is essentially the, the cool thing about it is the book is entirely from Ariana's perspective. You never see it from yes. Colburn's. And yeah. so there's like weird shit going on that we as the reader are able to go, well, yeah, it's because he's a werewolf dummy. But if you were in the same situation, <laughs> your first thought isn't going to be, I bet he's a wolf shifter. You well, know, yeah. Like, and- why the fuck does my, why are there dogs in the middle of the road? And why the fuck does my boyfriend have to go out at two o'clock in the morning? Yeah, I mean, it's, it make, it's definitely in a universe where that shit does not exist. And, um, which makes sense. I mean, and I, what I, um, liked about it and it's sometimes it does bother me when I'm reading a book like that. And it's only told by the perspective of one character. I like getting Mm -hmm. both perspectives a lot of the times. And so sometimes, um, when they do just one perspective, I get a little, like it, it doesn't always come across like this book did a lot of it sometimes across as, well, that guy's just a dick. What the hell? Right. Right. And like the secrets revealed of why he was acting like a dick, but it's like, wait, dude, you know, and this, uh, she really did such a beautiful job conveying how tender and sweet this guy was despite the secret. So yeah, she was, you know, obviously the secret was, Hey, I'm a werewolf. I mean, that's pretty much werewolves too. Well, and the interesting thing too, is that there's, uh, there are like little hints throughout the entire thing. Like there's a wolf motif that's really repeated. Like Garou means wolf in French. In yes. fact, uh, there's a, the, the French werewolf or the, the French werewolf, but now it's, I think it's in its current incarnation. It's more via Louisiana is Lelugaru or Rougarou. And, uh, and it Rougarou, has like, I know is a uh, Louisiana, the Louisiana werewolf. Right. It's, it's, it's yeah. actually Lugaru and it's just, it's, it's a yeah. uh, corruption. I did a whole yeah, I know that, research but... into it when I lived in Louisiana, but, uh, and it, 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 it's really interesting too, because it follows its own w- rules. Like there mm-hmm. aren't, it's not the typical, like a silver bullet will kill it. Uh, you know, like there is like moon worship, but it, there's also a thing where if you're bitten by a Rougarou in one version, I heard if you can stay hidden for, it's like a year and a day, it'll break the curse. Another version yeah. is, is if you're a Rougarou and you buy some, bite somebody else, you're cured. And it just, so it's like, there's only like sort of one form of it and yeah. it goes from body to body. But mm-hmm. so Gauru Reeve, like right there conjures up the La Lougarou because uh, Gauru Reeve means wolf's dream in French. Yes. And, and then on top of it, there's the full moon bakery would, where they make yes. the whoopie pies. There's, so there's a like, lot of, yeah. There's all of these just little nods to it where you, they are not like, it. yeah, it's. It's definitely not one of those, like, I mean, if you, if you were in a place where, you know, this type of world didn't exist, like, there weren't, like, really, like, werewolf shifters or anything like that, then, well, yeah, but there was, like, to the reader, it was, it was like, cute little charming moment. Right, right. Like, if, if I was driving through a tiny town and there was a place called Full Moon Bakery, my first thought wouldn't be, well, we must have werewolves. Well, you know, actually, I would, that be would like, probably be mine, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, well, but, well, I mean, but I'm a paranoid bitch, like, so I mean, that's who I am, so. <laughs> but the thing is, is their big, their big selling point is moon pies. Yeah. So full moon bakery, moon pies, like that kind of makes sense, even though moon pies are so fucking gross, people don't eat them. Uh, <laughs> uh, they have marshmallow and I hate marshmallow. See, I but, love marshmallows. So 
that shit. I like toasted marshmallow. I ate toasted marshmallows today, but not toasted or deep or uh, uh, freeze dried. I don't want it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. And so, but the, the great thing is, is because Ariana is not stupid. She knows that there's a No, she's secret, actually a great actually, heroine. She's smart. Yes, she's very savvy. That's actually a serious potential breaking point for them in their And it's a very realistic knows, Yeah, for point. sure. It's she like she's keeping you know. secrets. She just can't figure out how. Oh, fuck. It says you're still connected. All right, I'm going to end it and send you another invitation if you can hear this. And she keeps essentially begging Colburn to tell her what the secret is. What I will say, though, is that um, I what I loved about it was it was very much a realistic problem. It wasn't this fantastical, like, I mean, the book itself is a paranormal. The book itself, like, you know, has paranormal, a lot of paranormal elements and everything. But it had very real down to earth um, relationships. Yeah, it was kind of a contemporary that just happened to have some magic in it, and I kind of well, loved that about it because it was very there was something very cozy and gentle about it. Yes, it was definitely. I would definitely say it's a cozy read. I wouldn't say it's a contemporary that happens to have magic in it because, and and the only reason I would discredit, like, like argue that point, uh, is because I've read a lot of shifter romances, mm-hmm. and they're and, and like nine out of ten of them are completely fucking lackluster because they're literally just a boring contemporary romance and then like somebody turns into a bear for 10 minutes at the end <laughs> okay, like touche so fucking many of them okay touche touche on that one right. but i what i love but that's what i love so much about it was that it was very one it was a very cozy read and mm-hmm. two it was like there the problem was very realistic like her reaction to you know this people keep you know this big secret that hey i'm a fucking werewolf and my entire town's a werewolf and we're trying to repopulate because all of the women got pretty much you know killed women and children Uh, were murdered by a bunch of psychotic zealots that it was like it made sense like that he would that's a hard secret it's a hard sell man but at the same time i understand why she's upset about it because they were really developing this very deep relationship she was falling head mm-hmm. over heels with this guy and he would not be completely open and honest with her and it bothered her and she had every right to be bothered by that right yeah. well and, and the thing too is is it's established in the beginning like she she has just broken up with her complete fucking lump of a boyfriend of six years I was so because she came home yes she came home early from work because she got fired because her boss fucked up and threw her under the bus yes she this one early month of her yes, life she has had a fucking time of it and she comes home early and she finds her douchebag boyfriend who she lives with fucking her best friend yes and on top of it like like she does a really great job of conveying all the ways that he's a douchebag aside from cheating on her because one of the things that they say is because they live in chicago and they live in old town chicago in a townhouse and presumably this is an expensive part of town to live in because she says the only reason that they could afford to live in Old Town was because his parents were wealthy. And so what had happened was he had a job because his parents forced him to get a job, but he insisted that they spent, that, that, that everything be split down the middle 50-50 bills wise. So he essentially, his parents were paying for everything. And, and so he's half, yeah. 
Yes. So she was barely keeping her head above water, whereas he's spending all of his money on video games and shit. And then on top of it, she's a plus size woman and he makes all of these like bitchy comments about her weight. Like and there's a I scene where whole like uh, her input on the body issues this that Ariana had were just so wonderful. Like I loved yes. how they portrayed it where it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like, well, if I it, it never got to the point where it's like she knew she was attractive, but she also had body dysmorphia type of thing. Right. And I liked that it never was this issue of if I could just be thinner, I'd be great. It was more like she, right. if I could have more fucking confidence in myself, I would be doing right. Better. Really? For sure. Well, and that approach to it, yes. you know? And that thing too was she had had that confidence once upon a time, but she realizes like as she's leaving Derek, as she's leaving Chicago, that she's like she thought there's a line in it where she says she thought she was settling down but now she realized she just settled yeah and so it was this thing where essentially everybody around her her friends because like she's she's coming back from a wedding when she ends up in Gauru Reeve um and it's it's pretty obvious that like they just put her in the wedding party so that she could be the fat friend to make the bride look better and so she's she's dealing with with like that bullshit where it's, it essentially seems like like all of her friends are pretty shitty friends. And then it, on top of it, her parents are unevolved and hypercritical. And eroded down for the last few years of her life. Like yes, you, for sure. like you just learn about her and the more she starts thinking about, you know, she leaves town and she's really, you know, thinking the draw she has to Colburn and want, is mm-hmm. come back to the town. And she's like, there's a lot of like moments where she's like, I'll be leaving everything behind. I'll be leaving all these people behind. I'll be leaving all my friends behind. And then like the more she thinks about it throughout the book, the more she's like, why would that be such a bad thing? Right, and you really, exactly. really vibrant human being mm-hmm. and you how vibrant she is as the book goes on. You see this character blossom every chapter yes. about how she was so like just eroded down from life and from these assholes she let just trample all over her for so mm-hmm. long. It's heartbreaking when you really start to like realize what has been happening to this really wonderful character. For sure. And my, I just, um, my heart broke for a lot of those when she'd have those little introspective moments. And I was just like, yeah. oh girl, oh girl. I'm yeah. so, and it was more than just the boyfriend. It was a lot of, and it was her parents. It was her friends. Yes. It was her job. It was everything that gets to you day by day by day. And you don't realize all these little things start to pile up and just crush you as a human being, you know? Well, right. And like, and the way that like, she had like no support because she has endometriosis. And so oh, her period- yeah. Her period is just a fucking nightmare. Like, she's in bed for a week bleeding heavily. And, like, I don't have endometriosis, but I do have menorrhagia. So I totally get the, like, don't make any goddamn plans because I'm going to be sitting on a towel groaning for the next three days. And it's like... But but it's something that Derek... Yeah, Derek, like... Derek took, like, pot shots at her for it. In fact, it was really great because her, her... Her... so she she hooks up with Colburn. She goes back to Chicago to, to move her shit out because she's just oh, like, yeah. fuck it, we're she done. Broke up, yeah. And and it's really great because suddenly Derek is groveling and Courtney, her supposed best friend, is blowing up her phone trying to apologize. Yes. And so there's there's a, she, I really love it too because a lot of times when there's the 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 sort of breakup because the boyfriend you know has issues with your your body size like kind of thing. And I'm a fat girl, so you know I feel this. 
Legit. Uh, a lot of times, like, they don't, they don't get that, like, last goddamn punch in that I really fucking want them to get as they walk away. And she did, and it was beautiful. Oh, it was epic and beautiful. It was so beautiful. She basically, because he's pulling the, I'm the best you're ever going to get, you know, the implication being that you're fat, so nobody will ever love you. And she goes, oh, honey, I've already had better than you. Yes. And then she, she said, and she shows him the bite mark on her ass. Yes, she already slept with Colburn and had like this. Yeah, and she's, it, she's, I she's love that. Fucking right out Epic fucking sex scenes. It's like three chapters yes. long. That's some bullshit. Well, I was like, it's, yeah. It's really great too because Colburn is, I, I love it because Colburn is very big on her consent. But yes. it's not like a tepid. It's like, this is a man who was barely fucking holding on to his control. Yeah. Basically telling her, tell me I can touch you. Because, yes. you know, or he's going to fucking lose it, basically. And oh, so, so hot. But it, it's so, so goddamn hot because when they start sleeping together, like he goes down on her several times. And, you know, and then there's like a, a BDSM aspect to it. Like there's a, when he first gets her into bed, he basically tells her like, you're not ready for it yet. But if I had my way, if I had some rope, I'd tie your ankles up to the yes. bedpost so that I could just feast on you for hours. Hey, and make that's what he does. He does do that later on in the book. And he does do that later. Yes, <laughs> yes, he does. I love but that he's whole thing. I love yes. that he called her kitten, and I'm like, kitten, yeah, kitten, kitten or lioness. Yes, I know. Yes. He kind of got her mood. And he, and he, I love it. And he, well, and he told her point blank, like, no, you don't ask me to come. You tell me to come, or you tell me to make you come. Yeah, demands it, and it's just this great way of sort of giving her her power back. And so it's one of these things where it has like BDSM flavor to it, but it's not as clearly defined as like a dom sub relationship. Yeah, it's just means- so. It's it's very subtle. It's extremely subtle. Yeah, it's super intense. And so she's all, you know, she's worked up. Because first he gets her off in the bar. Then they go upstairs. And he gets her off again. And then he gets her off again. And she's like, just put your dick in me. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, I think like three fingers deep at this point. And he's like, no, you're not quite there yet. Like, I, I've got to really, really open you up. And he fucks her once. And then like and then it's gets her off gets her off gets her off and she's she's on the verge of yelling at him and finally he flips her on her stomach and like opens her legs up and like really really goes to town on her and just well and she's and she's like (laughs) well she's like she's like suddenly she understood what he meant about you're not ready yet and it's like i mean like and, and honestly, like, I've had sex where my partner bounced off my cervix. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of liked it. Good like, for you. That is not my thing. But hey, you no, know what? But I, I'm also kind of a pain slut. So I, I'm it was not. one of those things where I'm it was happening. <laughs> you are a delicate, delicate. I am a, de- I am a wee and delicate that, flower. Bruce like a grape. That is okay. I will protect you as a wee delicate <laughs> flower with my, you're the wee protect. delicate flower. And I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the I'm the thorny vines that sprung up around Sleeping Beauty's castle. I, I appreciate you protecting me with your elastic labia. <laughs> so, yes, it's not my labia; it's just my damn cervix. I know. But I just so, like labia. So. labia is fun. I knew a guy named Laban once, and I giggled every time I said his name. Uh, <laughs> but so, uh, so I mean, he is he is he is wrecking her cervix, and it's actually kind of cool because she says like any other partner she'd be like screaming at him to stop but this is so intense and they're so focused on each other that she's like down for the pounding basically yeah she is down and for it's the just pounding. like 
and it, it's really it's really cruel too because like what we were talking about before where she doesn't realize that a colburn is a werewolf b the entire town is full of werewolves and c colburn is in charge of them and you yeah. find out through the course of it he's essentially the pack leader yeah yes and the thing that I like about it is what I always, what I thought of the entire time I was reading it was, did you ever get the Herself the Elf book or watch the special? Yeah, oh my God, I was obsessed with Herself the Elf. Are you kidding right. me? Right, so you, you remember where they find her on the side of the thorns and she has the flower and the baby bird and yes. she's pushing the flower up and then she's throwing the baby bird up. Yes, and she's pushing yes. the flower up and she's throwing, that's basically what Colburn is doing. Yes. B- b- split between Ariana and the town basically because you find out that the town has suffered this absolutely nightmarish tragedy where yeah it, and it's bad in, yeah. <laughs> so. she started to clue in that like there are no young women and the town population seems really fucking small for the amount and of they're all they're incredibly on. like attentive to her not like creepy yes. but just like the minute like colburn and her end up hooking up the whole town yes. is all like whatever you say you know type of and it's just well, like yeah, what the, the fuck the, you know there's the great bit when she comes back and she goes into Mardok's bakery because she wants to try the moon yes. guy. And he basically tells her, like, are you going to leave again and break his heart? Because if you are, you should probably just do it now. I, and so, by the and way, love Mardok, by the way, and I cannot I wait. I, I know he's the next one getting a book, and I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> is, is he the next one, or is Tristan the next one? I thought it was Mardok, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I think it's, it's Mardok, but... It's, it's either Mardok than Tristan or Tristan Because I Mardok. fucking love I Mardok. He's kind of wonderful. I do too. He is such a grump, uh, and I am I am a sucker for a fucking grump. Right. And so uh so it's it's this thing where, you know, he's like, she's like, what are you talking about? And he goes, Well, you're the boss's woman. And she goes, Who's the boss? And he goes, you know, Colburn. And she's like, I'm not his woman. And he's like, Yeah, sure, you're not. And you find <laughs> she that's actually when she finds out because when she leaves after their one night stand, it's actually really heartbreaking because he goes, There's nothing I can say to make you stay, is there? And she's oh like, god yes i that gotta like... i gotta get you know i got stuff i gotta do at home basically and so as they drive away it's a whole thing too where she's saying that like she because she's traumatized as fuck is is the well the, yeah the, she the, had the, a hell of a like month well, everybody this... everybody that she's been close to has hurt her and has hurt her recently and yes. so she's internalized it as there's something wrong with her and if she stays he'll hate her too Yes. And so, and that's, that's actually something that she says. To and herself, it's so like, like heartbreaking about just yeah, how downtrodden really she is. I just, it I'm really like, Oh is. girl, no, you're so great. What is no, yeah. no, you're great. It's like, yeah. She's, she's feisty and spunky and, 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 and sassy sweet and, like, and big hearted. And, and I just yes, fell in yes. love with her. And it's one of those things where normally if I'm reading something and it says, and a sassy heroine, I'm like, yeah, all right, fuck you. Yeah, I, I know. But I'm the same way. But <laughs> she has a, she has a raging case of sass mouth. And as someone else with a raging case of sass mouth, I can appreciate that about her. I know. I appreciate that about her. I actually really love her. She She's I very, too. I mean, she's a really great human feeling heroine. Yes. And I don't say it just because she is, uh, you know, literally a human. Uh, yeah. She's just a, um, she's a, she's a, a very real. She character. feels real. I related mm-hmm. to her a lot. I don't relate a lot to romance heroines. I mean, it takes a lot for me to really like, just go, yeah, I understand what you're feeling. And she's one of those rare heroines for me that really mm-hmm. connected with me as a yeah. character where I was like, well, girl, I have been there and I understand. Okay. And, oh, her pain is real. And the thing too is like uh, in a lot of writing, and this is not a criticism by any stretch of the imagination, but in a lot of writing, like, you know, you have to come up with like 
there, there's almost always like the heroine's life is like going down the, the, the crapper, which and yeah. because a lot of like what I read is like alien romance. That makes sense. Like she's going to be taken off world. You want her to have her all of her ends. Yeah, you kind of want her to not have to, you know, you, you got to right. give her a good reason to want to be taken off world. It makes right. perfect sense. That's always right. the problem I was, run into because, you know. Because mm-hmm. that was the thing with like uh, Ruby Dixon's Ice Planet Barbarians, which I fucking love. In fact, I'm staring at a keychain of, of uh, Rahosh right now. But uh, in in the first, so there's Ice Planet Barbarians and then there's the spinoff Ice Home. And in Ice Planet Barbarians, it's 20 books long, I think. None mm-hmm. of them, like they're all like orphaned or estranged from their family kind of thing. And, and in her defense, like the, I don't think she intended to go past the first book initially or, or she didn't intend to go past like the first three or four. And so it, you know, it was something that you could feasibly like make the argument that, like, cause like Georgie's uh, family was dead and like she worked a dead end job and, and, and that's great. But at the same time, I like that when she wrote Ice Home, she did keep people with connections. Like yeah. Allie is this great character. She's Cuban American and she has this huge Cuban family that she's missing basically. And it's the same thing with uh, Debbie in Debbie's Dilemma where she comes from a huge Indian family and, yeah. and she knows that like, and, it, and it's made even worse because she has she suspects that she was asleep for a long time before they woke her up yeah there's yeah. no way to, to, to track time uh by like there's no way to track earth time on not Hoff. and so i like that they're like she has ties still like they're shitty ties but they're ties that that are pulling her potentially away from colburn as well as away from kind of her own happiness where because the thing is is in gallery read there is no cell service and they don't have internet yeah so, it's pretty much yeah it's a barren wasteland essentially when you get down well, to it i mean, I mean technology like wise it is definitely yes yeah. i was gonna be like it sounds like it's a beautiful place actually it but, actually sounds wonderful but when it comes to technology you're you're screwed right so because her thinking was like she needed to find another job and maybe she could work remotely but she can't work remotely from gallery reeve because there's no self-service but and it also tells, makes sense because you know she's also thinking in terms of how am i going to take care of myself right, you know exactly. and, well, and she's she not expecting colburn, colburn to like suddenly like whisk her away and be you know right. even, even though he does though, he was not well, expecting and he tells her he tells her point blank like because she says like i need to get a job how am i going to get a job with like no computer access and he goes you don't have to worry about that i take care of my own and she says but i'm not yours and he says but you could be Yes. Which oh. is just the most just oh. like oh, romantic thing oh. ever. <laughs> it's just, that's all I can say is that noise. Just that noise right yes. there. Oh. Well, and it's oh. and, and the thing that I lo- I know, right? And the thing that I love about, so like what we were talking about earlier with her confrontation with Mardok, when he says, like, if you're going to break the boss's heart again, you should just leave now, is when she left, she refused to look back because she thought like everything he was saying was just pillow talk, basically. Yeah. And what she realizes then is she, she made a point of not looking back. What was the point of looking back? Nobody was going to be there. And it turns out he had chased her. Yeah. And had stayed at the town lines because oh, as the book goes at that on, moment, I was like, yes, oh, yes. when he goes well, running and, after and, her. And oh. Well, he does it again, too, when she gets pissed off and goes to leave when her car dies at the, on the, uh, the outskirts. Because you come to find out that the people who live in Gauru Reeve after the, the trauma, essentially the town, so the town itself has a sort of sentience kind of the same way that like a tree has sentience. Yeah, And essentially, whether it's the collection of everybody who lives in it that it brought it to life, or if it was a magic place that attracted magical beings, because uh, it's Colburn's 
antecedents who, who founded the place. And after the, what you find out essentially was wholesale slaughter of the mothers and young children in Gauru Reeve by a group of, of what are referred, referred to as hunters. And it's humans who go after shifters basically and kill them. Yeah, yeah. And there had been a birthday party. And so the men were out hunting and it was, a, a, they were having the birthday party at one of the houses and the hunters blocked the entrances to the houses up and lit the house on fire. And everybody that tried to escape via the windows was picked off with gunfire. Yeah, and it so was Colburn's cool. mother and siblings were killed in it. Uh, and so the ones who were still alive were only alive through sheer fucking happenstance, basically. Yeah. Like there was the, there's the one guy who's, he's got head trauma. And so he had that poor guy. Fallen, oh. yes. He had just Sterling. Is that his name? Sterling. Yeah. Yeah. He had fallen and hurt himself for the umpteenth time. So he and his mom had stayed home, which is why they weren't killed in it. Tristan, I don't remember why Tristan wasn't there. And and I think Mardock, maybe Mardock and Tristan and uh, Colburn may have been hunting with the I adults. think those I think those three were out hunting, if memory serves. Yeah. I think that's what it was, that they were out. And then, you know, and the other thing was, is there was a lot of guilt going on there with the, for sure, with the guys. For sure. and, but, and, yeah. But, but the thing is, is because of what happened with the trauma, people who belong to Gowru Reeve can't leave Gowru Reeve. Yeah, they have to help so the town before they're allowed to leave the town. Well, yeah, they have to sort of heal their own trauma exactly. before the town is going to trust them enough to let them. Because the town is afraid that everybody will flee and it'll die. Exactly. Which is a totally fucking fair concern. And so basically the remains of this pack, which, you know, it used to be like a pretty bustling little village, uh, is now it's like it's the dregs, the remains, the the elderly and the just coming of age. And so it's not like, you know, Colburn can't go to Chicago to pick up a woman. So yeah. he has to like, kind of wait till they drive through essentially. Yeah, and he says is. too, that he had had two interactions before her that could have been something, but they ended up just leaving him as a one night stand. Yeah. And, but it was, it was and, but um, she was the and, one that he felt the strongest that he wanted to stay. Yeah. He was, she was the one that he co- uh, connected to. And yeah. it was, and like I said, I, going back, just kind of backtracking when we were talking about her endometriosis was, I thought one of the sweetest scenes was when she starts her period and she's yeah. like, God damn it. And she knows what's coming. She's just in pain. She kind of waddles well, and, to the fucking bathroom. Well, yeah, and she bled all over the blankets. She bled all over, the, which I have been there. And that's embarrassing oh, as God, fuck. Yes. yes. Land Hotel. Yes. <laughs> Oh yeah, that, that was fun where I started my period, woke up in a puddle of blood in the middle of the Disneyland hotel and I jumped out of bed and I left a like trail behind me as oh, I'm running God. to the bathroom at three in the morning. Max is asleep, fine, mind you. Happiest, Sleeps with the whole goddamn happiest, thing. Happiest place on earth. Oh yeah, it really was. But then he woke up and was like, and kind of looked over, saw the blood on the rug, blood in the bathroom. I came back out, he's like, I'm sleeping in a puddle of my own blood right now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, it was but anyway going back is i thought was probably the most endearing scene was you know she's pretty much she bled all over this you know she she bled everywhere she had to wild to the bathroom she's in extreme pain she's just not having a good day and he were you know obviously is like oh my god are you okay and she kind of explains Mm -hmm. to him hey i got this is my condition and the way he just 
runs out to buy her every kind of tampon yes. that ever existed as well and comes as well back as chocolate and ice cream and yeah because he's like, like i don't know i heard this all works like it is the sweetest yes, the, fucking the, scene the stereotype of the woman on their on her period and he's trying to like meet every need that she yes. might have it is and so no sweet time like he's super attentive and even when she's feeling better he's like should you be out of bed yeah. So like instead I, of getting pissed at her like like her shitty ex would do, you know, he basically wants to baby her. And again, this is why he is like if if alphas were real, this is what they'd be. Because yeah. the thing with with this is is he takes care of not just her and not just himself. He takes care of the entire fucking town. He is definitely a caretaker. Uh, sure. And that's what I loved so much about Colburn as a hero was he is very much a caretaker. He is mm-hmm. very much someone who cares about who is in his care, his entire, sure. what's left of his pack, his, you know, Ariana. Um, he um, is very in touch with his feelings. Like, he, there's yes. really not any, like, moment where he's like, I can't cry. He cries. He openly cries more yes, than one. You know? I and I, that. that was just a beautiful scene. And there's- he... Yeah, and he even tells her more than once that I wish I could tell you I so, you know, type of moments. And it's like, and it really does break my heart, those moments, because he's like, I so wish I could tell you. I wish I could fucking tell you, you know, what, and everything. I wish I could tell you everything. And and it's kind of one of those things where if he had just told her, it probably would have gone a lot easier for him. Like, she probably would have. It probably would have. He could have, he could have convinced her, but he's so gun shy and so protective of his pack again understandably based on what happened that he's i think afraid a he's afraid she'll leave and b he's afraid to endanger what's left of his pack yeah which is I, it's just understandable yeah it's just um it's heartbreaking and but i mean obviously it would be a very short book when you think about it but course, yeah. it's like but it's it is very heartbreaking that whole where he's like i really want to tell this one i am so and, he, and there's not there wasn't a moment in my mind the entire book where i was like this man is so head over heels in love with this woman and i she does have moments of self-doubt which i are totally understandable because you know secrets are being kept and everything but i think and her trauma history and the trauma history i mean it was a very believable it was a believable reason for her to doubt you know his her feel the yeah. fe- his his attention simply because of what she went through they uh well, the author then, really like, established that really beautifully yeah. Well, and there's yeah. a scene too towards the beginning where he's basically telling her like you could stay uh, during their their first one night stand, and and her thought process is so heartbreaking but so relatable where she's like, so what? Like she's supposed to just believe that he, it was like love at first sight, like, and she says people didn't fall into love at first sight with girls like her. Exactly. Oh yeah. It's, it's not this like unbelievable. You know, it's not one of those like I'm not like other girls. I'm not high maintenance. You know, it's like, it's not like one of those stupid stereotypes. No, it's more one of those things where it's like, this is what life has taught her. This yeah. I mean, it makes sense where she her. was so downtrodden all this time that it does make sense that she would think that. I mean, well, when yeah, you live in an environment where someone is telling you that you, you are less than what you really are, then you are going right. to eventually start believing it. Sure. And that was decades of this, of Ariana's life. Yeah. Going through too, that. It's like, people of color who also happen to be i'm sure it's infinitely worse for lgbtq people people of color people who are like non-binary and being plus size but it really fucking sucks being a plus size woman Mm -hmm. like 
and I know you know there's there's the whole like it's not even a case of that I just want inclusion basically like I'm not well, saying yeah. that no I totally must fall yeah. before me and lick my feet I mean all should fall before me and lick my feet but that has I mean, nothing to yeah, do with I mean, that's that's true, man but that hey. has everything to do with my innate narcissism but, <laughs> but it's just kind of this thing where it's like when you're told over and over and over, and then it's reinforced in all of these little ways, like I can't go to certain stores and find clothes that fit me because I'm too heavy. You know, yeah. I can't, for the longest time, Victoria's Secret refused to carry plus size clothes. And yep. this was before I realized that Victoria's Secret was the Walmart of lingerie. And so that's part of the reason why, uh, even if I lost all this weight and became a fucking size four model, I wouldn't fucking wear Victoria's Secret. Nope, don't blame you. And, and so it's just kind of this whole thing where one of the first things I do, like every time I get an invitation to like follow a fashion line or something like that on Instagram is I check and see if they're all inclusive. And if they're not, juices. Yeah, fuck her. I don't blame you. And so, but it's one of those things where, you know, somebody who is, who doesn't struggle with their weight the same way that I do, doesn't have to do that. And again, I'm not calling it, yeah. I'm not like, fuck you skinny bitches. No, no, but I, I yeah. There are struggles that right. through, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm hardly spelt, but I, I don't, I'm kind of in the in-between world. And even I right. have it with my own body because I'm kind of, I, and on not just body type, but age and, you know, I'm yes. now and I'm already feeling the, oh my God, there's, there's no things written for me. There's no TV right. shows yeah. about me like, because yeah, I am thrown me out and that's not true. I'm fucking fabulous and gorgeous and fuck, fuck yes, everyone else. Are. But I mean, yes, but it's are. still, but it's there that, that stimul that, that's, that stigma. stare, that stigma. Yeah, thank you. I was saying stimuli, and that is the wrong yeah. word. Uh, <laughs> that stigma word. is there, and it's yeah. and it's really heartbreaking, well, and it's, it's really hard to fight sometimes too. Yeah. Well, it's like one of the things that I like. So, like in romance novels, I have a breeding kink, right? Like I like it when yeah. the hero knocks up the heroine, and that, that is definitely your thing, not mine. Which is fine. <laughs> so, which is totally but that's fine. fine. That is your thing, but and I totally respect it. And it's one of the, but it's one of those things where it's like, this is sci-fi. You can literally write anything and make it true, but they'll yeah. be writing these books where it's like, oh, only women 20 to 30 can apply. And it's just like, oh, uh, okay, well I'm 44. Why, so why, I, why, I guess, horrible. I guess I, I should just that should apply. myself. <laughs> I really don't. I really believe in sci-fi and paranormal. Right. That can be an issue. If you, if you can have a fucking werewolf, you can have a baby at 46. Right. <laughs> And that's actually one thing that I'm making, like I'm writing into my world building is that fertility can be turned back on. Like in my world building, women are, females are scarce, period. And so you're going to make sure that your baby makers can make babies for as long as they're alive, basically. I, I think and that's great. Yeah. Thanks, I do too. Uh, but then there's also stuff like, I also want to write stuff too, where it's like, sometimes there are people who are infertile. Like yeah. Nancy Cummings wrote a fucking heartbreaking in fact i think it's the next book for you jaxer i've read jaxer i know exactly which one you're talking about yes with you read jaxer is that was that yes. just not like the the, the yes. like chef's kiss uh, uh yes. i loved it because i, I the, love that one it took the grumpy sunshine trope and flipped it where she's the grump yes. and he's the sunshine. i loved jaxer i thought that one yes. was a great one i really enjoyed her, that one her actual pet name for him is cinnamon roll even yes. though he's a seven he's a seven foot tall i fucking love that character, just he is a cinnamon roll and i kind of love it i love but, when he's 
when he's on the moon and the human sees him and is just like, nope, and turns around and he goes, wait, I'm friendly. And yeah. he looks at himself <laughs> and his reflection and he and sees his teeth and he goes, oh, now I uh, see it. I get it now. <laughs> yes. I it I now. It. But I will but say, thing, I, anyway, yeah. Well, I well, get, just, real, I get, just real quick, let me, let me just finish this super quick. Is, is the thing with Jaxer is, is, is Modfell smell their mates, basically. And Modfell, one of their innate drives is to reproduce. And the thing is, is when Vanessa gets with Jaxer, she tells him point blank, I can't have children. Yeah. I had a son, he died, and it almost killed me. In fact, she is one of the few women who's been divorced by a mod fell. She was yeah. married to Havoc, and then she ended up with Jaxer. Yeah. And, uh, and it's this, this whole thing where, like, she basically tells him, like, because he starts to be like, well, with mad fell technology, she's like, this isn't something that I feel like needs to be fixed. My body's not broken. This is just the way yeah. that it operates. And if you're going to be with me, you're going to have to accept that. And he does. And it's beautiful. Exactly. And she actually yeah. says in her afterwards that she has infertility issues. And, yeah. and so it's one of those things where it really, like, I, I'm really fucking impressed. Because she, she has a lot of Modfell books out there. And I'm super duper fucking impressed. Oh, yeah. Because, there's tons of them. They're all a lot of fun. Well, yeah. And, and again, and it's one of those things. So Modfell, the Modfell Warriors are sort of like a sandbox where it's like anybody can play. And they kind of come up with yeah. their own. Like, I think technically it's owned by Star Huntress, which is like a conglomeration of writers. Um, but man, it is. So, a, it's but it's everybody, fun. It is. It's super fun. But everybody comes up with their own Modfell species, basically. And she has two. She has the Relusion Modfell, and then she has the uh, Sangrin Modfell. Yeah. And, uh, and I just thought that was really fucking amazing that somebody who had fertility issues, like, writing something like Modfell would be like turning the fucking knife, you would yeah. think. You'd but think, I don't know yeah. if, I, I mean, I'm sure she has found her peace with it because she writes a lot of, like, a lot of her books end up with the heroine pregnant. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of her tall books is An Accidental Pregnancy, which is fucking hilarious. And I will say that, you know, just kind of like capping on on this is going back to when we were talking about indie romances and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, just, I, I'm talking from like a kind of, pseudo kind of insider but not really type of thing i'm hardly an expert i am going to say that i am a published author i have from been around a lot of road out right but this is from my perspective um mm -hmm. one of the things i like about being an indie author is that if you don't want your couple to have a fucking kid they don't have to exactly i i am sure. different from you in terms of just to the general audience you know this but i i am different from stacy in terms of i have no desire to get pregnant in fact mm -hmm. it gives i break out in hives and sweats <laughs> thinking about having a child i she's, love my nephews vaguely, i love she's vaguely yeah. grossed out by the idea i am grossed out i am freaked out about being a mom i have no desire to be a mother um i love being an auntie i love my friend's kids i used to teach kids all my life they're great i don't want one coming out of me i don't want to keep one i'll have a cat thank you very much mm -hmm. so what i love is like i love the idea that you have that freedom of writing an infertile a heroine and writing a character who does not have any desire to have children does she want to have a kid no she has absolutely no desire to breed yeah but well, i'm also writing the story about her brother which is great and that's a gay romance and is he gonna have a kid probably because it's a fucking right. paranormal you know? right, so, exactly. so that's how exactly. i look at it and and unfortunately well, yeah. there are a lot of places like I have friend. I had some friends who, and I still have friends who write who write for um like Harlequin and stuff. And there is such a 
static, like they give you a list of things like your book has to be meet this criteria. They have to be a straight. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of, not all, I mean, I can't speak for every single genre in Harlequin because I've never fucking written for Harlequin, but the few friends of mine have a lot of genres. They do. And, but the few friends of mine who write in there are contemporary writers, but they have like, they literally have this list of checkboxes. They have to click off with every book. You have to have this, you have to have this many like love scenes. You cannot use these words. You can use these words. You have to have characters and they have to have a kid at the end and be married and yada, yada, you know, that type of thing. They're very strict and Mm -hmm. you know what? It works for them. They're a conglomerate. Bless them. You know, my well, my friends who write why... they write great books great well, but like... that is not my bag <laughs> do you remember so... do you remember the movie with steve gutenberg called don't tell her it's me yes yes i do so that's based on a book i uh-huh. love that movie i'll fight you i do too it. it's actually but quite adorable i love that is, movie the book is really cute too but it's really interesting because the writer wrote for harlequin for a while and yeah. at the time, she it was referred to as the Pink Ghetto. Yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly what it was exactly called this way back in the shit. day. And it sounds like it's kind of still there. They, all right, just uh, getting I've completely read, off topic, but it's I've like, some, yes, you are correct. A, yeah, well, it's it's one of those <laughs> things, kind of like like I mean, there's there's a lot of genres like that, like Tom Clancy's like entire back catalog. It's like yeah. shit that can be churned out as fast as possible. Yeah, fucking come at me, Tom Clancy fans. Or it's <laughs> but like, I mean, that's how they make the money. And well, right, it's like it's like well, yeah. and that's the thing too. With that's how men got involved in writing bodice rippers originally, was because in like the sixties and seventies, like with the paperback explosion, it was just like churn this shit out. As yeah, but a lot of it was there were and women so, who wanted to write that romance right, and they wouldn't allow. Couldn't them. get in. They yeah, were like, like, we, no, have, we there. There were stories out there where they would be like, we've got our two women writers. We don't need more. Harley (laughs) said that, yeah. But there were writers who were like super fucking prolific, like fucking, um, oh, God damn it. What's his nuts? Uh, The head of Scientology, the guy who founded it. Oh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard, thank you. L. R. H. L. R. H. Uh, Last podcast, L. R. H, man. L. R. H. (laughs) Uh, Henry's quest to become LRH. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but he used to write shit like that where he, he could churn out like shitty westerns and shitty sci-fi. Yeah, but it, nobody gave a shit because people were buying them. It was like making shitty movies in the 60s and 70s for the drive or the 50s, 60s and 70s for the drive through uh, uh, crowd. And, yeah, and so that still like, exists. Those still totally exist. They're the... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, the the they're just stuff that you know you you stay afloat as a publisher by selling these mid-grade stuff not a, you know by keeping these authors on that right. are not bestsellers but they're still getting their stuff published and right. a lot of authors can make a living doing that and you know more power to them but i like what's really great- funny is there was a writer i'm trying to was it on discord that we were talking about that but a bunch of us there was a writer that a bunch of us had read who was she was kind of harlequin famous and I have one of her books around somewhere, but I can't remember what her name is. And and it was one of these things where, like, now they've actually turned them into, because, you know, now there's the Harlequin comics. Yes, you know, I Harle- do. Harlequin manga. I actually have the pirate. I do. Bride that I need to read. But uh, some of her shit has been turned into it. But she was kind of the first to do, or at least the most prolific, with the kind of, like, the real strong angst. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
the wife's gonna leave the husband because of x y and z and he has to like win her back and and it's not dark romance but it was kind of as close as you could get to dark as you can get Um, yeah i want (laughs) to say carol carol wilde no carol wilde's an indie writer i honestly don't know Uh, i mean i'm horrible with names so carol carol wilde writes spork romance uh (laughs) anyway but i just thought that that was that there are some people who have made names for themselves in harlequin and it makes me wonder if harlequin paid them to not jump ship or they have them locked up in some kind of a predatory con uh, contract like what happened to tin meadows on snl to be perfectly honest it could have gone either way because there are like that the reason i i know we're totally getting off topic but i'm gonna totally go here the reason that i started to go i i went indie is i started in um i started writing and publishing it I started writing and getting really serious about it around 2013. I mean, I've always written, but that's when I decided to get really serious and write an actual fucking book. Um, I joined Romance Writers of America, which is now kind of a defunct. I I won't go into that. That's a whole like puddle of works there. Regardless- they pissed in their own faces. My <laughs> chapter is no longer affiliated with Romance Writers yes. of America. We are now Southern California Romance uh, Writers, which makes me laugh because our acronym is SCREW, and that makes me really happy. Uh, so anyway, kiss. Perfect. Uh, so anyway, uh, when I joined Romance Writers of America, before all that shit went down that I knew of, I knew this was going on. For, I did not know it was going on for years. So anyway, I was an innocent at the time, young, shiny, stars in my eyes. Uh, <laughs> joined my chapter. My chapter was full of wonderful people. And at the time when I joined this group, there I, there were a lot of published authors who were traditionally published, and a lot of them at the time, you know, I was sitting on the fence of if I write this book, do I want to try to sell it to a traditional publisher? Do I want to try to get it, right. or do I want to just go indie and pu- self-publish myself? Because at that time, that there was still a stigma with self-publishing. Oh just yeah, kind of- yeah. I mean, fucking in the early 2000s, even yeah. still, like there was a writer named PN Elrod who I had a roommate who was really into. And PN Elrod said herself that if you indie publish, like a traditional publisher is never going to touch you. Yeah, I mean, it was still kind of there. It's it's almost completely gone away, but it's still there. There's still mm-hmm. a stick. Um, but it's it's not as severe as it was when I was thinking about it. And it just mm-hmm. then indie publishing was starting to kind of pick up, pick up its pace. And... Right. I went to my me- these meetings just to kind of get more insight because I was like, I wrote sure. a book, I got yeah, but I don't know what to do with now. Now right. what? What do, what, what do I do next? Yeah. I went in, and at the time, so many people I met, these lovely, wonderful authors who were writing these lovely, wonderful stories, were getting shafted left and right because these mm-hmm. small uh, publishers were starting to just go under and tank. Yeah. Yeah. And not just that, but also big publishers because the indie, the big indie wave was starting and mm-hmm. a lot of other publishers were dropping authors and people were losing rights to their stories and losing rights to their mm-hmm. series and they couldn't get them back. They, yeah. I had friends of mine who were in lawsuits trying to get their I stories mean, Dara back. Joy. Yeah. Dara Joy Dara is a Joy. good, yeah. Dara Joy, but that's a good example. I have other friends who, Mike, I have a friend of mine who just recently had to wrestle with a, she got her rights back, but she said it was a fucking nightmare because the publisher who, the small publisher she went through to get her story published tanked and they would not give her the rights back to her stories and she had to go to court mm-hmm. um, because they were like, we own it still. It's part of our assets. We have to liquidate it. You can't have it back. You know, type of, it was just I mean, that's, there's probably more legally to it than that, but that's essentially. Sure, that's the, the gist so, of it. Well, and the thing too is she kind of got lucky that it was a small publisher. 
Because if it yeah, had but, been a big publisher, they would have tied her up in litigation for fucking Well, years. a lot of that was happening with a lot of these smaller, um, even though they're smaller, it wasn't like the big five. They were still just big enough that they these people were tied up in lit- litigation for years. Gotcha, yeah. Um, there were a few that were gracious enough to say, we're tanking, here, take your rights back. But there were a right. lot that wouldn't do it. And mm-hmm. that scared me enough to go, fuck it, I'm going indie. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, and that I, was actually, it was you going indie that scared me into wanting to go indie because yeah. you told me about, you'd had a friend who'd published something and it had been a great fucking story, but the mm-hmm. publisher, the publishing house hadn't done shit to advertise it. And so it didn't do very well. And they ended up pulling it and wouldn't let her write anymore yeah. in that world. And now they own the rights. So she can't do anything with it. Yeah, that actually a couple friends of mine too. I mean, mm-hmm. and I yeah, was you like were the one that told me about that. Yeah, that that happened to like two people I know, not just one, two, and then the rest of them were just like they wanted to get like um, my friend Lori, who uh, just got in, out of a big fucking mess where she lost. She finally got the rights back to the series she was writing because mm-hmm. they just wouldn't let it go, and she's like, "I am no longer with you. I no longer write. You guys are canking. Give me my fucking series back." And right. they're um, nah, nah, and they dragged their heels for like five or six years, and right. she finally got the rights back. And she's like, "Oh, thank fucking god, I can finally right. like." But she now has to go, and she luckily she has the means to do it. But now she's like, "I have to now make new covers, and I have to pay for new formatting, and I have to just right. start." From- the good part is, is she's so well established um, now that she's like, "I could do that now. That is not a yeah. problem." But when like if this happened when I was just starting out, I would have been fucked. Yeah, you know? for sure. And anyway, well, and that that also that also <laughs> makes you wonder too, though, how many fucking authors that happened to? It happens who, to quite a, quite a few, right? But um, who didn't? Who never yeah. had the means, so we never heard of them. And so it's like all those fucking great stories that had to go by the wayside. Yep. I mean, it just, it's heartbreaking in a lot of ways. And that's what scared me into going indie. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm kind of glad I got scared into going sure. indie. Um, and, Absolutely. And it's not all sunshines and fucking roses. No. I don't make money. This is why I work full time. I, right. bar- I mean, I'm perfectly honest, I barely made, I made like one sale this entire month. And that was heartbreaking uh-huh. and annoying, but that's how it goes. I am right. not going to be living off my writing. I'm never going mm-hmm. to be living off my writing because I know how I write. I am not, a. I can't. I'm not fast. I'm about right. as fast a writer as I am a reader. And that's, right. so if I could, get right. there, I could. Quality I, over quantity. Yeah. And some people can do it. I have wonderful friends. My friends, Marie, my friend, Lori. I have a bunch of really wonderful friends who can write a really beautiful quality story in mm-hmm. a month and crank it out. And they're good. And they're Fucking wonderful. Ruby Dixon can do that. Like she's, yeah, she's actually I, usually I, writing multiple yeah but i mean i can't do that i just don't have the i do not have the bandwidth which makes me sad mm-hmm. but that's who i am i tried it i cried and it didn't work <laughs> so well right but you have to tell the story the way the story needs to be exactly. told so I and there's just, nothing wrong with that everyone's process is different so if you're a right. writer out there and you're thinking i gotta crank it out but i don't know how everyone's process your process is your own own it and don't be ashamed of it because i'm yeah. lucky i get a book out a year and that's my process, and that's okay. Um, uh-huh. When I was unemployed, I still only could get a book out a year. And mm-hmm. that's because, okay, you know what? I'm really proud of what I was able to bring out there. So. Well, and that's, like, what, like, Naomi Lucas says. Like, she's not a yeah. super, like, you know, she's probably, like, she might be, like, one every eight months or something like that. But yeah. that's the way that her process works. That, that's and she's, process. So, and, you know, she's that's doing great, so... 
Yeah. Anyway, I'm getting off my soapbox. Uh, we probably should probably wrap it up soon because I gotta get, I gotta get up at four because I, I have a job at another truck stop early in the morning. <laughs> anyway, yeah, she does. By the way, the truck stop is amazing. I'm just gonna say it. I'm glad that you're happy there. That makes me happy. Say it again. My fucking new truck stop is fucking amazing, and I'm getting a fucking. Love it. It's great. Yeah, you are. Fuck yeah. (laughs) But so, all right. So back to one night in Gowrie. Yeah. So basically, shit comes to a head. Like, like. So the basic gist is, Ariana meets Colburn, has a one night stand, goes back to Chicago, packs up her life, realizes she has nothing that's really tying her to Chicago doesn't know where to go and makes she deliberately steers away from Galrie Reeve and to her shock even though she's like hundreds ends up of miles in away Galrie Reeve yes. <laughs> yes and so she goes back and sh- and as soon as she pulls in uh Colburn is waiting in the parking lot of, of the bar smiling at her oh so yes it's a whole thing where she's like I'm not staying I'm just trying to figure some shit out and trying to get my feet underneath me and the whole time he's you know, so, so like she's setting timelines for herself like okay i'm only gonna stay for two weeks and then she gets her period and she's like okay i'm only gonna stay for another week and then suddenly she realizes it's been like two months yes and so and it but it's really great too because it's been like like she's thrown away it's all been the two really great months you know yes. yeah she threw away all the clothes that made her uncomfortable and she and was she like talks about she wants to wear sundra- like, like like she wants to wear oh. sundresses and big sun hats I love that. That was kind of what inspired me to do Sundress Sunday was that Mm -hmm. sentence right there where she was just like, I want to wear sundresses and big hats. And I'm like, me too. God damn it. And And, and, uh, there's a family farm that uh, Colburn has and she's looking into, they're looking into like sort of retrofitting it with electricity and stuff like that and moving out there basically and sort of turning it into like a hobby farm again. Yeah, she's essentially just starting to live her dream that she didn't realize well, that she needed yeah. or wanted, you know. Yeah, and, and it turns out, like, she's always kind of had a knack for, like, architecture and home design. So she's actually being put in charge of that, and Colburn is really, really encouraging her. And so she's blossoming, essentially. And she would be, like, perfectly happy, except there's the big secret that Colburn's not telling her. So yeah. every, like, a couple of times a month, he ends up disappearing in the middle of the night and tells her not to wait up for him. And she knows he's not cheating on her. She's not worried about that, but she ends up getting into a huge fight with him. Is it after she finds out he's a shifter when she tries to leave and the car dies? Uh, yes. Yeah. And no. she tries to. Yeah, it is. And, and so she gets. Cause the first time was a blowout when she runs into Tristan and then the car dies the second, the other time. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. So she meets Tristan. And the cool thing too, is you actually find out you don't have to be born to a shifter bloodline to be a shifter. Which I thought was really cool. I really I liked did too. That. Tristan was adopted. Yeah. And he's a shifter and can't leave Gallery Reeve. And he's real fucking bitter about it. He's the town mechanic. And uh, and that part is great. When the car dies and he's and Colburn's chasing her. And I think he's naked. He shifts back. And he's basically like outside of the car. And he like is just like heartbroken. And it's like, baby, just come on, baby. Like, Oh my God. That, that moment where she has left because she's like i need to just get out of here and uh, he uh, just shows up and he's pretty much naked and uh-huh. just shows up and he's all like we need to talk and she's like you need to put on pants it was like yes. so funny that was great <laughs> yeah it was well, wonderful tristan is the one that basically sort of because i think because tristan's bitter because i don't think tristan realized he was going to become a shifter until it was too late basically yeah exactly and so he essentially tells her on the night of the full moon go out to the farm Go into the house and lock yourself in and don't come out. 
and you'll yes. see what the big and, and what saw. it is is well what it is is a couple of of the few children that are still left in the town there's a couple of like 13 year old 14 year old boys and they're going to transition and so she sees Colburn and a bunch of the men in the town like roll up with these kids and they're taking them into the barn and they're like it's going to be okay we're going to be with you every step of the way and what it is is it's their first transformation and they're chained in place so that they don't run off and get themselves killed or hurt somebody basically yeah and and that's when she's sort of forced to confront it and then that part is fucking heartbreaking too because she starts to look around that the house which she'd been super excited about like turning into their home basically and she realizes there's claw marks on everything yes and she goes into what had been his and his brother's bedroom and there's really deep claw marks on there and she realizes there's bolts on the outsides of the door yes and so Colburn realizes she's in there because he sees her through the window and he had smelled her but she'd been on the on the farm like constantly by that point in time so there's no reason why he wouldn't smell her yeah and she he basically like tries to get into the, the the front door and he's asking her to open it up and she sort of refuses and she's terrified and heartbroken at the same time because you know her perspective on reality has just been fractured by the man she loves and she goes into the bedroom and again closes and bolts the door and goes in there and cries and he basically sits outside either in wolf form or in human form he's in entire, human form i remember that yeah, he, it the, was just the entire uh, night and sits outside and cries because he realizes yes. now that he's this is he this fucked is up. The, the, yeah, this is this is the fuck up. Oh, uh, so it was so she, like, oh my heart. <laughs> yeah, she basically, you know, she tells him like, she's like, I have to go, and he's like, please don't go, and she's like, I wanted to stay, but I told you no more secrets. I couldn't handle the secrets, and he goes, and I kept secrets, and she's like, yeah. Yeah, and he so, knew exactly what he did, which I also oh for sure. Well, and, and he never like tried to blame her or blame anybody else. Like he's not even really no. He took Tristan. full responsibility, and I love right. I really which again that if there was such a thing as an alpha male, that's what an alpha male would do. Yeah, take full responsibility for your right. actions. Yeah, instead of beating up somebody under you and blaming them. Exactly, and and so she tries to leave and she can't. Yeah, and. I think that's when like the truth comes out about what happens to his family and shit. Isn't yeah. They're pretty much, it's a big info dump near the end there, but I mean, it's a great like reveal. Like there's yeah. a, this whole reveal of like, Hey, this is the shit that went down. And it's like, Oh shit. You know? Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this book. I enjoyed the I fuck out of this book. book. It was, they, I'm so glad that you recommended it to me just because it was, it was kind of the read I really needed at that moment. Right. I needed something to kind of just kick me into high gear and make me feel warm and fuzzy. For sure. um, I'm a sucker for paranormal. So obviously I was like, yeah. Right. And the hard one happily ever after. Yes. And, and it was just, but it was so cozy and so sweet. And mm-hmm. the characters were so loving and wonderful. Um, well, and, it, it will give you warm up. fuzzies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, they're going to make up because it's a romance novel. Well, but yeah. Still, I mean, that's why I read do, romance. So. Right. When they do make up or yeah, when they do make up, it's actually really beautiful because what well, he knows that there's a chance that because of her endometriosis, she may not be able to have children and he does not yes. care. He does not He's care. Like, and I appreciate if that. If we want children, we can adopt like Tristan's adopted. It's fine. And then, uh, uh, there's a chance that she might turn into a wolf on the next full moon. She, and she doesn't. And she's very disappointed, uh, which I thought was super cute because she's able to sort of finally 
love Colburn the way that Colburn needs to be loved, the town is reassured that there is life after their tragedy and suddenly mm-hmm. it lets go and people can leave the borders again. Exactly. Fact, there's... there's a really cute scene in the epilogue where Colburn keeps going into like the, the, the closest big city to my pants. Not because he yes. pants, but just because he can. He yes. doesn't have to order them off the <laughs> internet anymore. And I, and I really liked how it was just, there was this very hopeful ending there. It just was yes. all like, yay. You know, it just, yeah. it made you feel not just like hope for, oh, look, they've lived happily ever after. You kind of like, you, you, you see the beginning of a, of like an entire series blossom, like at the very sure. end. And there's a great think, setup. I think there's what, four books in the series right now? Um, I think so. I haven't really taken a look. So I'm going to dive into the next I one as soon as I can. Yeah, I have the second one. But I, I'm excited about this series. Oh, I yeah. high recommend from me. High recommend from Stacy, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it well, was and just, it was, yeah. it, was, it was great because it was a random freebie that somebody rec- uh, recommended actually on Finley Fun's uh, Discord group. Oh, see, so you just, I think you just like, said, oh, read it. Cause I bought it because it was, it, it wasn't on sale anymore. But well, the time I think I, it, was, it was, about it. yeah, it was, it was one of those, like, it was like only available for like the weekend kind of thing. Yeah. And I bought, I grabbed it just cause, oh, it sounds kind of interesting. And didn't think anything oh, I bought of it. it. And then I, I, I had nothing to read and was like, eh, fuck it. I'll read this. And then it was just like, oh my God, this is so good. Those are always seem to be like the best reads. Like when you just are like, oh, fuck it. I'll just check this one out. And then you're like, I love this. The top of your head is blown off. Yeah. That's kind of how it was for me with um, when I did the Katie Roberts, the um, not electric idol. That was the sequel. Um, The other one, the one we were originally going to do, but we didn't. uh, Neon Gods. Neon gods, Me, where yeah. I was like, everyone was praising it, but I'm like, uh, yeah. I was kind of dragging my heels, and I'm like, I got nothing else to read, I'll read it, and it just turned out to blow my fucking mind, and I loved right. it. Right, like it was so um, perfect. Yeah, it was exactly what I needed. This was one of those books, like much like the town of Gaurav, it shows up when you need it, and it did. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep. yep. Yeah, um, so definitely check it out. out. There's three books out now, and the fourth book will be out in September, it looks like. Yeah, check it out. Uh, it is so fun. One night in Gaurav uh it's on amazon go grab it go grab it yeah, and leave a good review for this author because she is yes. very good indie authors really fucking need reviews they, oh god um, i speak from experience in fact if you read my book please go leave a review <laughs> um and Gal- i don't care reeve. i need them <laughs> so but yes uh, by the way galru reeve is g-a-r-o-u-r-e-v-e yes because it is a bit of a tricky but if you type in yeah. one night in g it'll pop up it'll pop right up um yeah. could you give the author name i just closed the page with her yes, name and it was lem's i forgot the last name l m drew yes so she definitely check her out give her the reviews she is very skilled writer she writes very endearing characters wonderful and world will, building like it will make you like happy. you will you will feel the feels like there are feels and you will feel them you will, and it's worth it. It's totally worth yes. feeling those feels. It is wonderful. Uh, feel those feels. Uh, <laughs> so good. Anyway, so we're going to wrap up PantyCast, and we will be yes. back again with a regular classic, creepy classic, creepy kitsch classic next time, next month. Yes. Um, I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, I no. think so. I know. Oh, no, no wait. Next- we're doing campiness. What? Sorry, campy. We're doing, um, no, no, we're not doing we- creepy kitsch classic. No, no yeah, we, we just are, did it. Just- no, we just did campy because we didn't know what yes, the hell did. Eyes on Fire was going to be. 
no, that was that was classic because we had a big conversation about it. We're so up for campy the, now. We're doing what was, campy crit what was, kitsch now. What was the what was the campy one? That Kiss we did versus two. It we was um, rapper pa- Velocipaster. Was oh, okay. the one we yeah, did. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I take it back. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna be watching Kiss versus or Kiss meets Scooby Doo next episode. Yeah, fuck yeah, we are. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's gonna be uh, campy kitsch next episode. Yes. One, I would just like to say too, like a shout out to my friend Fury from the Finley Fen Discord because she and I had an epic discussion about Scooby-Doo and the Goblin King, which is actually, <laughs> that's actually my favorite Scooby-Doo because it's a very, it's, it's set on Halloween and like magic is real. Like Scooby-Doo ends up like having to say Scooby and Shaggy have to save everybody else from like being turned into monsters. I mean, I fucking um, love Scooby-Doo. So I'm, I'm the down The Goblin for King is voiced by Tim Curry and he has some serious <sighs> Chernabog vibes. Yes. And so Fury and I were like talking about how hot the Goblin King was and what his dick looked like. And I basically told her that I was the Goblin Queen and he fucked that fairy daughter into me. And so then she was like, how was it? How big was it? And so we got into a really detailed description of like what the Goblin King's dick looked like. And oh no, I'm being forced to ride him to orgasm while sitting on the I hope you have her listen to this podcast. It sounds like it's uh, right up around. I might actually. She's, she's, she actually was killing me because she is really obsessed with Dracula and she's writing oh, Dracula wow. fiction. But she, so she wants to learn how to draw dicks because she says that there is a, a serious lack of Dracula porn out there. And so she and I were talking through Discord. And so she asks me what art program I use. I was telling her about Procreate. And, yeah. and so she goes, well, he's going to be seven foot four. How big should his dick be? And I said, huge. It should reach his knees. And she's like, yes, I like it. I like Forearm it. Forearm size. Yes. And so then we were discussing like, is he cut? Is he uncut? Like, I said, it should be like scary big. She's like, yes, a cervix destroyer. I said, exactly, a battering ram. And so I just I just really enjoy that there are people out there that I can have conversations like this about. And uh, yeah. And that's why we appreciate you. Right. And speaking of Fenley Fen, she, her book, The Lady and the Orc, is going to be our next fancy cast. So if you want to read it, I recommend that book. Read it beforehand. There are buckets of cum in that book and it is she worth is very much worth a it. semen worshiper yeah oh yes uh, oh yes semen um, worship pansexual uh uh pansexual orcs. orcs and yeah it's great it's awesome work on orc action and there's no such thing as a lady orc in the yeah orcs, we will uh, be just world. yeah i'm actually excited to talk about that one that one's gonna be a lot of fun so and then we'll like be to fuck human women and definitely check out next episode where we talk about kiss meets scooby-doo yes, or scooby-doo meets awesome. kiss Whatever. one or the other it's, it's the recent one it's not like the one from the 90s or the one from the 80s or that weird knockoff episode that they did in the 70s with the scooby-doo movies where yeah, we're very gonna obviously this- supposed to be they did an episode, I'm not fucking kidding, where it was like Scooby-Doo and the Phantom. And it was very- I remember was, Scooby-Doo and the Phantom. Gene Simmons, but with red hair was the Phantom. Yep, I remember. I laughed. I remember that one. So fucking hard. <laughs> so fucking hard. But no, Kiss Meets Scooby-Doo is hilarious. Yeah. Its tongue is planted firmly in cheek. Yeah, we will uh, be discussing that on uh, Campy Kitsch or yes. Equinox ever, Cast or whatever the hell we want to call it. I don't Equicast, even know. If you Equicast. Equinox. Uh, if, you ever, if you ever wanted to know what Penny Marshall would sound like if she were an elder in the race of beings that Kiss is, replete with makeup, 
it is was re, you know replete with her heavy oh, New York accent. It's glorious. It is. It? It, is, it, is <laughs> it is truly glorious. There's a great bit where Freddie tries to blend in and puts on makeup, and she goes, "You look like you're a very nice boy, but you look ridiculous." <laughs> now sit down. Yeah. It was okay. so fucking funny. All right, this is. Uh, I I can't wait. This is gonna be a good one. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Scooby Doo meets Kiss or Kiss meets Scooby Doo, whatever the fuck it is. So okay, so our usual spiel. If you have any questions or comments, or you want to add anything to our romance discussion, or if you have any recommends for movies yeah, or, or even, uh, books. Or get uh, questions. Like, for those of you who don't read romance novels, this is kind yeah. of like the undiscovered country. So and like, if you're ask wondering what the hell some of the terminology we keep saying that we haven't explained, yes. please email us yes, or absolutely. reach out. You can reach us at creepykitchgals at gmail.com. That's our email. Um, our website, creepykitch at blogspot.com. Um, you can find us, obviously, if you're listening to us, you probably have us on Anchor and Spotify. Um, I am going to be uploading some of our back episodes pretty soon. Sorry, I haven't had a ra- chance to get around to it. I've just, uh, there's been a lot of shit going down. Good stuff, we but just really busy. Have, we also have a Discord channel, too. If you would like an invite, just let us know via the Facebook page. Yes, and we have a Facebook page, Creepy Kitch Podcast. Come look us up, and we can put up the link to our Discord there, or you can just leave a message going, hey, give me a link to the Discord, and we'll post it. Yep. Uh, so uh, we will see you next month. Uh, and I'm I'm so happy we've been still staying on schedule. I'm kind of yeah, stunned. Doing pretty good with but I'm very happy and proud of us. I'm very proud that we are doing this. Yes. Um, oh, before we leave, I just want to give a quick shout out to a post uh, to a podcast to listen to. It's called Freaky Folklore. Um, it's on the EerieCast Network, um, and it is re- if you like cryptoids and urban legends, uh, folklore, anything like that, definitely listen to it. It is just this. It's a very wonderful story based um, informational podcast that mm-hmm. has a lot of great um, fiction slash information about folklore. Um, and I love it. I have been addicted to it. I've been listening to it um, nonstop. So definitely yeah, check I started. Out. I started listening to it, and then I listened, tried to listen to it in the shower, and I scared myself. And I had to yeah, to it's else. it's some creepy shit. It's like I it was, really goes into. I was too naked and too nearsighted to put up with that. And they do a whole episode on Baba Yaga, which made me really happy. Yeah. So yeah. I loved that one. Also, um, I, uh, I love Baba Yaga. <laughs> they, I Baba Yaga is awesome. They don't yeah. need our help, but also go listen to that spooky because I love them. Yes, that spooky is amazing too. Yes. Uh, so we will be back next month. Uh, and uh, everyone have a good night. And we yes. will talk to you later. Yes. Now get Yay. us out of your ear holes, you filthy perverts. And go go read a filthy book. Go read a filthy book instead, you filthy perverts. I think perverts. we should just end our podcast, every, even the movie podcast. And now go away and read a filthy book. <laughs> read a filthy book That's and our new report back to us that's our new and, and it's like and fuck me whatever, in the <laughs> yep, <laughs> whatever rocks fall everyone dies and we need, we need a good si- uh, sign off it should be now go get us out of your ear holes and read a filthy book or yeah. and now fuck me in the hat i don't know it's gonna be one of the I mean, other that's fine too I'll yeah both hat. y'all can fuck i don't know both both sound good anyway yep. have a good night everyone good night good night